This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Today I'm talking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the General Services Administration. Administrator Murphy was sworn in as the Administrator of GSA on December 2017. Emily leads a staff of more than 11,000 GSA employees nationwide, overseeing over 368 million square feet of property and approximately 68 billion in annual contracts. Under her leadership, GSA has produced 6.8 billion in savings and cost avoidance for the customer agencies in fiscal year 2018. Wow, that is extremely, extremely impressive. Uh, Emily, first, it's a pleasure having you on the show today. And as we practice social distancing, uh, you are recording back at your house and I understand you have uh, pets there and and activity as I do here. Um, And so, uh, you know, first welcome to this very casual uh, segment of Leaders and Legends. Thank you so much, Aileen. It's great to be here with you, and hopefully you will not be hearing from my dogs. (laughs) Well, uh, Emily, what a challenging time for all of us with this current threat of COVID-19. This is impacting everyone across the world. People are looking for clarity and communication to find the courage from leadership to know that things are going to be okay. You know, what does leadership from your perspective looks like in a crisis? And then I'm gonna follow up with a question. What leadership qualities do you think is really needed now with the crisis we're facing today? Thanks. So I think that right now, the key is constant communication. Not only with the agency as a whole, which we're doing through weekly video messages and written notes and emails, but with the leadership team and individual staff members, making sure that Uh, employees feel that they've got a need, we want to hear about it and we want to address it quickly. It also, though, means trusting that your leaders are doing their jobs. Uh, There's at least, I think, a pretty natural tendency to want to come in and micromanage things in a crisis, which is probably the worst thing that I could be doing or that any leader could be doing right now. We've got really good people in place at GSA, and they need to be empowered to do their jobs right now. And then making sure that I can facilitate the conversations between them and you know, between each, the, the various leaders within the agency, but also with other agencies who have needs to make sure that we're meeting their needs as well. You are clearly a strong leader. Um, and Emily, was there an event or a person that inspired you or had a tremendous impact as, on you as a leader that maybe you are uh, drawing strength from for some of the things you are facing today? So I think that there are a few, uh, I'd say as an event, Hurricane Katrina, and then I've had a a few very good mentors. I'd say with Katrina, um, I was the chief acquisition officer at GSA during that time. And it really did teach me the importance of senior leadership communicating regularly and clearly. It also taught me, though, that you can't get stuck in some sort of decision paralysis. So you have to be made, willing to make a decision with the information you have. In Katrina, we had to be willing to go ahead and let a contract one day with knowing that we might, a week later or two weeks later, decide that a better solution was available and we would move, move transition to that. 
but we couldn't put off making that decision. Um, it also, though, highlighted why it's important to have the right tools in place to work remotely. During Katrina, we had folks deploying with sat phones and cell phones, but they couldn't, uh, they couldn't contact each other. And making sure right now, GSA in the last 15 years has done such an amazing job of modernizing its technology so that we've got 11,000 employees teleworking. In terms of mentors, I first moved to DC as an intern for uh, Jim Talent, who most recently was, a, was the Senator from Missouri, but at the time he was a sophomore member of Congress. And he and his chief counsel was a gentleman named Harry Katricious, really did mentor me. Um, at the time we worked on things like SBA disaster lending and responding to the Missouri floods, uh, the Mississippi River, and just watching how they handled those crises uh, has really been an inspiration to me. You're listening to Leaders in Legend and Government on Federal News Network. I'm Eileen Black, and today I'm talking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. Emily, if you were to ask someone who worked for you um, now or worked for you in the past, how would they describe you as a leader? What do you think they would say? Oh, <laughs> um, I think I'm a little nerdy, so they'd probably say that uh, I take pride in being a subject matter expert and being very detail-oriented. I want to understand what I'm talking about. I also ask a lot of questions. Alan Thomas, who served as the commissioner for the Federal Acquisition Service at the beginning of my tenure for the first uh, year and a half or so, said the good news was that the administrator loved acquisition. The bad news was the administrator loved acquisition. So I, I asked a lot of questions about it. Um, I think it's also important, you know, hopefully anyone who's worked with me knows that I really believe in, invest, in investing in my employees and my teammates and making sure that they have the tools they need, but also that they're getting the experiences in their careers that will help them in the future. I'm, you know, I don't believe anyone's in the last job they're ever going to have. And so making sure that they have, that they're gaining skills and getting challenges so that they continue to grow as leaders themselves. And then making sure that, you know, the people who work for you know that they're appreciated, saying thank you and telling them, you know, how important the work that they're doing is to you and to, the, you know, and to the country right now. Have you altered your style due to the current situation? Um, I think that it's even more important to be communicating and ensuring that, you know, that people first approach, that staff are taken care of. The employees of GSA can't take care of other agencies if they're not taking care of themselves. And if they can't take care of other agencies, those agencies can't take care of the American people. So we've been investing a lot in making sure that GSA employees have the resources they need to do their jobs. We were actually the first agency to implement mandatory telework. And we can't make everyone telework because we do need building managers to go in and we need have a few people who have to go into the office. But we have more than 98% of our employees teleworking on any given day right now. And that includes me. So I, I think that it's really maybe focused in on that leadership style that hopefully I had already, which I'm still asking a lot of questions. I still want to understand why we're doing what we're doing, but hopefully I'm also supporting the people who are in their jobs and making sure that they're getting access to the tools they need. 
Yeah, this is a stressful time for all of us, especially leaders like yourself with so much responsibility. And clearly you are a leader who really believes in supporting their staff. Um, how are you finding ways to cope or how are you finding ways to draw strength or blow off steam with these ever evolving challenges that we are facing right now? So I live by myself and I'll admit there are some days the walls seem to be closing in on me. Um, but I've been trying to do things like walk my dogs, um, have it taking place in you know, virtual brunches and happy hours with friends and colleagues. Over the weekend, some of my neighbors did a concert in the park where we got to watch from the balcony and uh, hear their children play the violin, which was lovely. Staying in touch with my family, and, and frankly, I, I'm praying a lot also because there's just there are a lot of challenges right now, and we all need the strength, every bit of strength we can find. Are you getting your groceries and everything delivered to the house, or are you baking, or? I wish I had time to bake. I've got all these grand ambitions, but um, by the time that everything rolls around, I guess one of the advantages of having had a busy schedule was that I already had a meal delivery service. So six meals a week would show up already pre-prepared for me. Um, that's doing a good job of making sure that you know, serve a fair number of the meals. I do get my groceries delivered um, I think I've had to venture out to the store twice in the last four weeks. So it's been, you know, I've been very fortunate. You've been very prepared. <laughs> How about your dogs? How are they dealing with uh, having uh, their owner home all the time? I'm sure they're not used to that. <laughs> they are going to have separation anxiety when this is all over. Um, they've lost weight from all the walks. And uh, I, I wish I could say the same, but they're doing wonderfully, but they love having you know, me around all day. Um, and I think that they are going to be having a hard time when I, when I go back to the office. I'm speaking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. After a break, we'll discuss how to handle the most important decisions and how to make them in good times or in crisis. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Eileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm speaking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. Emily, what accomplishment are you most proud of that you've been able to lead your team to accomplish as the GSA Administrator? If I were to say what I'm most proud of, it's that in two years we've delivered $14.5 billion in savings. And that means that agencies have been able to use those resources to meet other priorities and deliver better results for, for the American people as a whole. We've, done it, we've, um, we've put in place schedules consolidation, our least cost avoidance program, and we're really promoting shared services. Right now, I'm especially proud of the job we're doing responding to the coronavirus. In response to COVID-19, GSA's gone and rented out CenturyLink uh, Arena in Seattle, and we actually have helped turn that into a hospital. We've been helping the U.S. naval ships Comfort and Mercy be supplied so that they can act as you know, overflow hospitals for cities. We've helped SBA to get laptops so that they can process loans for under the Triple P program and help small businesses stay afloat. We help them get uh, over 3,500 laptops. Well, they should be there by the 11th of April. I know 550 of them have already arrived. We've been getting personal protective equipment, masks, sheets, cots, cleaning supplies, the hospitals, agencies, states, 
we recently got 57,000 N95 masks to the to HHS, the national stockpile of the DHS. So I couldn't be prouder of the people I work with every day. Well, thank you from all of us out here. Um, what are the most important decisions you can make as a leader with an organization like that? I mean, you just covered a variety of extremely important things that are being accomplished. And I'm sure sometimes you need to um, discuss, you know, what needs to be happen mm -hmm. and, uh, how, and how to prioritize. How, how do you, what style do you use in your decision-making with your team and that facing a, a crisis like today? I think the most important thing I can do is to set the direction values uh, and then let my leaders lead. And when there is, you know, when there's a disagreement in a team, which there should be in any healthy team, make sure everyone gets heard, that we get all the information, we air the issue, but that we don't get trapped in the idea that we have to have consensus. Collaboration means that you know, we all get to participate, but at the end of the day, we, we need to have a decision made and I need to make that decision and own it, it um, in many cases. It means making sure though, as I said, that the leaders that I've got in place and the employees that report to them and support GSA have the tools, the resources, and the support they need to do their jobs and implement those agency priorities. You said something really important earlier in the first segment. You said one of the lessons that you learned during Hurricane Katrina is sometimes you just got to make the decision with the data that you have at hand. Have you seen your leaders grappling with issues like that with what we're facing today? I think yes, we, we are. I mean, we, there is no there's no point in time where you have perfect information. And so we're trying to get as much information as we can. And I'll say that the Office of Mission Assurance at GSA has done a really good job of putting together what they call a fusion site. So we can gather information together and make that accessible to a broad group of the leaders in GSA. And we can have transparency and we can facilitate conversations between the leadership. But at the end of the day, we can't always wait until we have every piece of information we'd like to have before making a decision. It, in some cases, it means that a source of supply would disappear if we don't act quickly enough, um, or that if, if we if we postpone um, acting on on a space or cleaning cleaning a space. And I'll give you an example. At the very beginning, trying to figure out how often we needed to clean buildings, and in what circumstances would you clean? What circumstances would you wait 24 hours to clean? Which is what CDC recommends now trying to balance that out versus a mission need. So there's never a perfect set of information, but we've gotten a lot better at it over the course uh, of the last month. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Eileen Black, and today we're talking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. What accomplishment did you achieve in your role um, past government executive positions that you held that you were most proud of? So I've spent a lot of my career working with small businesses. It's actually how I started uh, becoming involved with government contracting. I mentioned Jim Talent earlier. When he was a, in his third term as a member of Congress, he became the chairman of the House Small Business Committee. And that's how I got exposed to government contracting. They needed a staffer who could take on procurement policy. And I sort of fell in love with the idea that having small businesses actively engaged meant you had a healthier industrial base, 
you could get better prices, you could create jobs. Um, that the the economic effects of this would, would really carry out across, you know, across the country. So I've been really proud of the work that I've been able to do to make sure we've got a healthy industrial base, to promote small businesses, to promote competition. In prior roles working uh, on the House, I worked on over 100 provisions that ultimately became law to help promote small businesses. And it's still something I'm passionate about right now. My every Monday morning during the senior staff meeting that I have during normal times, we talk about uh, how the agency, how GSA is doing with small business. And even during um, you know, the crisis we're in right now, we're holding matchmakers virtually to help small businesses participate in our response. Some of the biggest strain on our economy is going to be felt by our small businesses. Uh, do you think there's another side to this? Is there, what kind of prosperity do you think is on the other side of this crisis we're facing right now? Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of investment in things like you know, teller capabilities going forward. And actually, let me talk, step back and talk about what GSA is doing to try and help our contractor base right now. Uh, we've been, we put in place a policy that we're making sure all of our vendors are paid within 14 days. We went out with a policy to try and make it as easy as possible for any company that can telework to do so, uh, so that we're keeping as many companies engaged as we can. And then I think when we, when we start ramping back up, we're going to have the ability to do things like focus on infrastructure, focus on the ability to telework, to focus on uh, economic prosperity. Uh, and I think GSA does a great job of making sure that you know, we have both national projects, we also have a lot of local projects through the buildings. And it's a good way of reaching a number of communities across the country and making sure that there's work available and that we, we're engaging both small and large businesses alike. Before your roles in, in the government, you uh, had some private industry experience. Now, in fact, it was a small company, I think. What is the biggest difference um, on the private sector versus government side as an executive that you've seen? So I, I, I've been really fortunate. I've had the ability to work in government contracting from the standpoint of a government contracts lawyer in a firm, as an in-house attorney working with a small business, uh, working on the Hill on small business policy, working in an agency, trying to implement those policies through a regulatory agenda, and now I'm in my current role. So I've had a really great set of experiences to try and, that I try to keep in mind every time I'm looking at a problem to remember how it would, you know, how I would have addressed it in each seat that I've sat in. Uh, but I think that you, by, when I moved to the, uh, I'd say my aha moment was that by having that unique, uh, the, the, one of the biggest challenges that I think people find when they come into government and they're not used to it is the idea that in the private sector, you can do anything as long as it's not illegal. And so you know, when you're making business decisions, your question is, is this legal or not, you know, or, or not? Um, and then, you know, is this the right thing to do? Is it a good business decision? Is it ethical plus moral? If you're in the government, your first question has to be, am I authorized to do this? So there has to be a law allowing you to do it rather than in the private sector, there needs to be a law that says don't do it. Um, so it, it does require you sort of do a 180 when you're thinking about things from the government side rather than from the private sector side. Any best advice that you ever received on being an effective leader either in government or in the private sector? Um, 
say three pieces of advice that I sort of try to hold on to that I've received over time. Um, first one, it applies private sector or in the government. Um, you can't boil the ocean. Try and find you know two, three priorities that you're really going to focus your time and energy on. And you're going to spend a lot of time dealing with things that come up, but you want to make sure that you always have those three as your sort of lodestar that you're going towards and making sure you don't lose sight of them. Uh, you know, and as you're developing this, especially if you're in the government, ask the career employees you're working with, has someone tried this before? If so, what happened? If not, why? Uh, because you'll learn a lot of really valuable information. So the other one that I found from an internal perspective from government is that it never, you should never argue with other agencies in public. Um, that you, you know, you need to be able to have a really open dialogue in private, but that, you know, when, when we speak as the executive branch, we speak as the executive branch. And as I said, I think that the remembering the difference between the private sector and the government, um, you know, with the question of what you're authorized to do versus what you're prohibited from doing, just always keeping that in mind as well. I'm speaking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. Coming up, we'll talk about how marrying your passion with your skills can really drive your career. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. In the last segment, we talked about change. Times of crisis have historically also been opportunities for change. Are you optimistic that we can emerge from this? It could be a chance to create more effective ways to run our agencies in the federal government? Absolutely. Um, I think that yes, this is actually is going to give us a lot of opportunities. I saw a cartoon last night where it was it was a little survey asking what drove technology modernization in your, you know, in your company. And the question was CEO, CFO, or COVID. Um, and I think that uh, coronavirus is going to, has emphasized the, you know, and really highlighted the need to invest in our IT. Um, I am very fortunate. I inherited a really strong agency that has wonderful IT in it. It doesn't mean that we, we've modernized everything we need to modernize and doesn't mean we don't hit some hiccups. But I think that as we look across other agencies, they're gonna be investing in the, that IT infrastructure so that they can have uh, similar access to information going forward. So I think that uh, you know, as we emerge from this, we're gonna see agencies also looking at shared services more because the idea that you know, if we've got centers of excellence or places within, you know, within government that can focus on one activity that frees up a lot of resources within government to deal then with crises and deal with mission. Um, it's been a great example of how GSA working in concert with FEMA and HHS can bring a lot of acquisition expertise to bear and a lot of real property expertise to bear on behalf of numerous agencies. So I think that we've learned a lot from, from the past few months. You know, I have to throw kudos towards GSA long before this crisis because, uh, you know, having worked with several parts of your organization in my past positions, we were able to very quickly pull together um, uh, pretty large conferences discussing pretty serious subjects um, via video conferencing. And they were very comfortable with that. And so we were able to move things ahead very, very quickly. How can GSA help? Um, lead by example and, and provide the mechanisms for 
agencies across the federal government to make this digital transformation. So I think the first thing you said is important. We need to lead by example. And that's one of the reasons that I've been teleworking now for going on four weeks. Uh, I'm doing video calls multiple times a day with uh, people within the agencies and they're seeing me in my spare bedroom um, with my hair pulled back and a scrunchie on top of my head to, uh, working just like they are. When I'm talking to my counterparts at other agencies and they find out that I'm able to do that uh, and that, that I'm confident enough in the infrastructure GSA has, it's something they want to learn more about. And even before this happened, we've been partnering with the Department of Defense on things like DEOS to help roll out those tools to other agencies with the idea that following on its heels, we would do sort of a COs, a civilian version of the, those tools. And I, I think that there's going to be an even larger appetite for that modernization um, going forward. Now you have a unique set of experience that includes all that work that you did early in your career on Capitol Hill. Do you believe that the key priorities for our elected government leaders are going to change going to 2021 um, as we look back on this crisis? I, well, I know better than to ever predict what, you know, what's going to happen in the future um, in terms of politics, and I try to stay away from it. But I do think that my experience in the Hill says that the, you know, everyone there is going to be doing their best to make sure that the economy is a strong economy that we have the right infrastructure, that we have the ability as a nation to have telework in place. We're looking at things like our supply chain and the security of that supply chain. Uh, and that, you know, that we go back to the very prosperous economy that we've been enjoying up till now. Do you think, um, the, do you think we are going to have to rethink the environment we are going into? at a national level for our elected leaders? I mean, we, we see uh, votes that have to happen for Congress, for example, and it, some of it is just not practical. Um, like I said, I've worked with GSA where we've been able to pull together an, an enormous set of, you know, people and resources to discuss some pretty important subjects around security, for example. Do you think that our elected leaders need to look at different models so that we can be more effective as we're governing going into the future? I'm hoping that they're going to partner closely with us on making sure that across government we've got, got those tools in place. And they know better than anyone else what their needs are, at, you know, at their needs as a legislature are, and how to, how to address them. Obviously, we're there to support them with it. I know we're actually working, for example, with, with um, GAO right now through our centers of excellence on helping them with some of their IT modernization. So it's something we're there to support them with. Again, you know, I, I don't want to be the one who's dictating to Congress what their solutions are, but I'm happy to work with them. And I really do think this will mean that you know, uh, they're going to continue to support the efforts that we've got in technology modernization, whether it be through the TMF, whether it be through individual agency appropriations, or whether it be through investments in our infrastructure as a country or in our supply chain. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elena Black, and today I'm talking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. Now, Emily, we've been talking about crises and, and communication. What about your organization? Do you have any message uh, to your team, uh, either for today or post-COVID-19? I am so proud of the, the people of GSA and the work they're doing, and I hope that each and every one of them knows that. And I hope that they also know that if they need anything, 
to please contact me, contact their supervisors. We're gonna do everything we can to give them the tools they need so they can do their jobs remotely, safely, and successfully. And I wanna especially thank those employees who are going in right now and helping keep federal buildings up and operating for those organizations that can't telework. And there are always going to be some jobs where you can't telework. The FAA can't do air traffic control remotely. So we need to make sure that we've got people in there helping them. And to the people at GSA who are going in and doing that, again, they've got my, my undying gratitude. What do you think will be the biggest challenge for executives across the board, whether it be government or, um, or uh, private sector in the aftermath of COVID-19? I mean, people, you know, there's, there's the positive side. People are going to get used to this telework and they're going to demand it more. Um, there is also all of a sudden bringing teams back together to work in this new normal. What do you think is going to be the biggest challenges and benefits as we move forward? I think one of the challenges is going to be how do we phase back to, you know, office-based work? And is it the same approach we're gonna, we've always been taking? Again, GSA has always been a strong supporter of telework. And the majority of GSA employees, I think over 99% of GSA employees have telework agreements. Um, so I don't think that that's something that, you know, is going to be too much of a challenge from, from a GSA standpoint. But I think looking across government, other agencies are going to be wanting to look at their telework capability. Within GSA, it's going to be a question of, you know, how do we bring people back? Um, do we, 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 as I said, went to a mandatory telework phase. I assume we're going to probably step that back to a voluntary telework before we go uh, full out. And we're going to have to be looking at a lot of factors, such as when are schools open and how does that affect our employees? Uh, is mass transportation available? Are there places for people to eat lunch or are there kitchen facilities? Do we want to have enhanced screening at the doors of federal buildings uh, so that when people are coming in, we, you know, we know that we're not bringing sick people into a space? So I think that there are a lot of challenges that are, you know, we're looking towards as we move into May and into June uh, and trying to figure out how we, well, we start things and how, you know, I don't think there's going to be a one size fits all answer for that. But I do think it gives us the opportunity to be stronger. It gives us the opportunity to really look at things like software as a service and cloud-based activity, you know, how important all those tools can be and how much faster we can be in responding to needs. I'll give you an example. Uh, GSA has been working on payroll modernization for the last few years. And if we had that implemented right now, we could have quickly helped each of the five agencies that do payroll right now make the changes necessary to implement the new flexibilities that Congress gave us. Instead, each agency had to go in and make those changes individually uh, and, and through, in some cases, going in and programming some very old legacy systems, which made it a little bit more painful for all of us um, and added a little bit of time to how quickly we could respond. So I think that we're gonna continue to focus on strengthening those shared services and making sure that they're modern uh, and that the technology they're using really isn't as location dependent as it's been in the past. Taking what you just said, I can really hear your empathy of the whole problem, the whole uh, challenge employees have as we're, you know, discovering and evolving through this mm -hmm. crisis. You brought up the aspects of the personal life. Um, any advice that you have for other leaders out there 
to look at that whole situation and making these changes as we go to our new normal, as we go back to our offices again? I, I think that across government, you're finding the, the leaders that are in place care very much about their employees. And we all recognize that you know, our employees each have unique circumstances. We've got a lot of flexibility built into our current system. We need to be willing to use those flexibilities to make sure we can come up with solutions that work so that we can get our missions accomplished, but so that we can take care of the people who are working with us also. That we give them those flexibilities, that we give them the support they need because you, right now, if, if an employee can work 80 hours in a two week pay period, but maybe not work in the same traditional hours they've been working previously because they have children at home and they need to be supervising them or they need to be you know, in shifts or they've got, they're caring for a relative who needs additional help. That's, that's something we've got built into our system and we can do for them. If that doesn't work, then we can look at other flexibilities we have in place to help them out. But we're not going to get the, the best from our employees, nor are they going to be able to take care of, you know, they have to be able to take care of themselves and their families before they can take care of others. And so to the extent we can use the, the authorities we have to take care of them, I think the better off we'll all be. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. Next, we'll find out what Emily's advice is to next generation of federal leaders. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. Emily, I would like to take a step back and talk to you more about your background. Uh, first off, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to college? So I grew up in St. Louis. Uh, my family's all still there. I left uh, for college and went, graduated from Smith and then moved to D.C. thinking I'd be here for one year and it will be 25 years in June. Now, you went to law school in between. Right? You went to UVA, right? So I, I came to D.C. and to work for my uh, for Jim Talent, who was then my congressman, who went on to be the senator representing Missouri, and worked for him for a few years. That's how I got involved in government contracting. It, it was the joke was that if you were the new person on staff, you got the issue that no one else wanted, and that's how I started doing government contracts policy. Uh, but quickly realized that a law degree would be really helpful. I enjoyed what I was doing in terms of government contracting, but I didn't have all the tools I needed to do it the way I wanted to do it. So went to UVA and actually worked for him uh, part-time the uh, summer between law school and um, during the school year as well and continued to work in those areas before I came back up and practiced law here in DC. Now, if we were to go back to Emily, uh, 22 years old, and said you'd be doing what you're doing today, what do you think she would have said? I don't think I'd heard of GSA when I was 22. Um, I, at, at 22, I thought that I, well, when I graduated from college, I thought I was going to go into international affairs at first. And then when I decided I was going to go into law, I thought I'd be back in St. Louis practicing with a firm back there, much the same way my mother had practiced. And instead sort of fell in love with all of this. Like it's a sort of a lesson in serendipity that you never know what you're going to encounter and where you're going to find you can make a difference. But if you take each opportunity and do as much as with it as you can, um, it'll serve you well. 
And it's, it's amazing to me because I look back on those first few years in DC and realized that the woman who's now my deputy administrator, Alison Brigatti, that's when I met her. I hadn't seen her in the intervening 20 some odd years, but she was the deputy general counsel at the RNC when I first met her and I was an administrative assistant there. So it's, you never know where you're going to end up. It's a small world. And, and rarely is anybody's um, career a straight line. You've really had uh, mastered the ability to be able to marry your passion with your capabilities. Do you think that's contributed to your success? I think so. And I think it's a lot of it was, you know, as I said, I didn't graduate from college saying I love government contracting. It was something that I had to, you know, I wanted to have a portfolio of my own on the Hill and it was an opportunity to do so. But then the more I learned about it, the more I found you could get something done. Uh, you could accomplish things. You could really make a difference. And to me, that's intoxicating. And that's what I'm really passionate about. So by, you know, if you can find a way to believe in the mission of what you're doing, it, I think it makes you a happier employee. It makes it easier to work harder. Uh, it makes the toughest year more bearable. It makes the successes that much sweeter. And it also opens even more doors. So because everyone likes to work with someone who likes doing what they're doing. If somebody would like to follow in your footsteps, what would your suggestion for them to get started? Well, I think they could do it much better than I did it. <laughs> I'd say, take each job as you, as you find it, learn as much as you can from it. When you're looking for jobs, Steve Preston, who I, uh, sorry, this is a, it's a random side, but Steve Preston was the SBA administrator and then the, the secretary of HUD um, in a prior administration. I remember talking to him about jobs at one point and he gave me the advice. You should, when you're taking a job, you should look for one where you know you can do about a third of it really well on day one. And there's a third of it, you know, it's going to be a stretch and it's going to really challenge you. And I think that that was some of the best career advice I ever got because you need to be you know, prioritizing something that's going to challenge you and let you grow and let you continue to develop those skills. So that'd be the advice I'd share with, with anyone who's looking to either become the GSA administrator or be successful in, in their own unique way. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Emily Murphy, Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. So Emily, you have accomplished so much in your career. What's next? Um, I haven't really even begun to think about it. I, right now, I've, I've told the employees at GSA that I am with them through at least the end of this term. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't have perfect knowledge, and I serve at the pleasure of the president, but I love what I do. I love the people I work with. I love the mission of the agency. And I, I'm going to try and take my own advice and let the future come as it may. And just keep trying to do my best every day to take care of the agency and, you know, and the people who work there. Any pearls of wisdom do you have for the next generation? You shared what, how to follow in your footsteps from a career perspective. But, you know, if I was to see Emily, 18 years old, graduating from high school, what did you wish that somebody whispered in her ear? Um, that sometimes your failures actually lead you to your greatest successes because they teach you how strong you are. That don't chase, it's easy to say not to chase salary because we all, but we all need money to live on. But don't make it the most important thing in your life because the, you, there are, the opportunities to feel you're making a difference don't always come with 
the highest paycheck and sometimes you're going to be taking steps back and making taking a strategic step back so that you can then you know take a leap forward that that's fine and just to be comfortable doing that and you don't have to be doing the same thing i, I i'd watch my parents um, and they both they both are in the same jobs that they started in my father's worked for the same family business uh, for over 50 years now my mother practiced law uh, with basically the same law firm throughout her career. They would merge with another firm, they, it changed their name, but she pretty much was in the same practice group her entire career. I have not found that to be the case. I don't know that I could count up the number of jobs I've had at this point in time, but I've taken a lot from each of those and learned so much from each experience and it's given me a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have had if I'd stayed in the same job throughout, my, you know, throughout those 25 years. Before I close the show, I have to ask you, is there any question that you would have liked for me to ask or mm -hmm. anything you'd like to share before we end our segment? Can I just give a shout out to a couple people at GSA who are doing an amazing job right now? Gerard Bedoric, our CFO, has done an amazing job in making sure that you know, we've got money going, that we're using RPA to make people's jobs easier remotely. David Scheib, the CIO, has done amazing work in making sure that our network supports everyone who's teleworking right now, but also doing things like virtual onboarding and he's working with our Office of the Chief Human Capital Officer to, so that new employees are able to start without having to go into the building. Uh, the commissioners, the Federal Acquisition Service and the Public Building Service, Julie Dunn and Dan Matthews, I mean, their people are working around the clock to support GSA's mission and to support the American people. And our Office of Mission Insurance, and I know I'm missing people, but they have done, like, the work they are doing is just incredible. And I am so in awe of everything that they're accomplishing every day, and I just hope I'm giving them the support that they need. Before we end the show, I'd like to also thank all the good people of GSA for helping keeping our nation running. Thank you. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend in Government. My guest today has been Emily Murphy. Emily, I want to thank you for joining us today. With your scrunchie on in that spare bedroom, doing our social distancing, and sharing your personal journey and some really valuable advice. I'm Aileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. reminding you not to do things. What I mean is, with same-day delivery for everything from gifts to groceries, you only have to do the things you want to do. To not do the other things, visit shipped.com. That's S-H-I-P-T dot